allowed to feel growing up? Like, was that was that something that was was operating for you that you had permission to feel? You know, a little bit and not so much. My mom ended up leaving in the night when I was six because my father was so aggressive and angry, and he was actually abusive to my mom. And and she left with my brother and I, but I ended up living with my father in Pleasanton, not far from you. You know, and um, I had a lot of feelings, and 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 my dad was holding so much fear that. There was a place in me that actually felt sorry for my dad, which is one of the reasons I actually stayed, chose to live with him, is that some place in me already started taking care of him as a young one. So not only did I have my feelings, I actually felt like I was feeling a lot of my dad's feelings, you know, in my system. And I didn't have consciousness of that then, though, so much that I do now. But like if I was upset or having feelings, yeah, it wasn't okay. But then my dad would have these huge outbursts, you know, of like can't find a parking spot in San Francisco, slamming the steering wheel, screaming violently. And my whole system's just in freeze and petrified fear, you know. And so like I had places where like I certainly didn't want to do what my dad was doing. So I would like hold that back. But then I'd be on the tennis court breaking my tennis racket or throwing my skateboard across because I was so angry and so much of my anger wasn't mine. So much of it was the anger my dad was like fuming out. And then I was absorbing by being around him. And then I'd go see my mother and my grandmother who lived an hour away, um, you know, in San Mateo area. And like, they would, they would trust my feelings. I just go there and I start crying and I would like eat the sugar, so much sugar in my mom and in my mom's room that I would start throwing up and get sick because my father was diabetic and I couldn't have sugar around him, but I'd go there and I'd binge and the binging was, I was so emotionally hungry, you know, for love, for care, for acceptance that I would eat myself sick. And then I'd have, I'd, have, I'd have a mixture of like anger from my mom for me doing something so stupid, but then I'd have compassion from my mom and grandma at the same time too, because they could tell I was hurting. Welcome to the Taking Out the Mass podcast. My name is Ashanti Branch, and I'm really glad you joined us. Today's guest is Shims Hartwell. I'm really excited about this conversation with Shims because uh, he and I first got to meet um, as a part of um, the Sacred Sons Conversion 6. I think I've talked about that before, that event that happened on the Oregon coast in between the ocean and the forest. Um, and what a beautiful experience it was. But um, I got the pleasure of being on Shims' team. Um, a lot of the teams are led by men who are supporting other men in their development and growth. And uh, our team, I won't say I don't. I don't give you the full name. I would just say part of our name were the Shadow Dancers. What the Shadow Dancers? And I didn't. I didn't even really make a connection to the Shadow Dancers and this idea of the shadow until like maybe day two or three. I I talk a lot about Carl Jung, and I talk a lot about the idea of the shadow, but I more talk about it in terms of these masks, right? parts of ourselves that we let people see because we we believe that that's the parts they can see and they can handle and all the parts of ourselves that we ignore deny repress we don't talk about we don't feel that people may accept us we may operate in a certain way to make people respond a certain way to us but knowing that we may not be fully authentic to our own needs shadow dancers was a really beautiful uh, space for me to do some other work that I need to do for myself. I think I've been on this journey of doing my own healing work. And when I think about uh, one of the topics that Shims talks about in our conversation, is he talks about this idea of a spectrum of aliveness. And maybe you can ask yourself right now, how alive do you feel? Like if you just did an inventory, take a deep breath. 
how alive do you feel? Maybe you had a great day and you're listening to this in a moment where you feel fully alive. Maybe you're on a run or walk. Maybe you're driving down the road. But how alive do you feel? I think when we think about the spectrum of aliveness, it's like how much of our energy is allowing us to be fully ourselves? How much of our being is being fully expressed? And how much is being cut off? And sometimes we may not even know that the energy is being cut off. Have you ever uh, sat on your foot long enough or sat in a, on a couch or a chair or on the floor or however you were doing and all of a sudden your foot fell asleep? Sometimes it's kind of funny. It's like it feels like a tingling feeling like, oh, my goodness, my foot was asleep. But how often does that same thing happen in our lives? We're walking around and we don't even know that we're numb, that we're disconnected, that we're not feeling fully alive and Maybe somebody points it out to us. Maybe somebody asks you, hey, what's going on with you? You seem like something's going on. It seems like something's off. And we may even get offended. We may we may fully understand it and accept it. But also, I definitely can speak for myself that, what are you talking about? I'm fine. And usually I was called out by students. Maybe when I was operating as a teacher, just doing the teacher thing and disconnected from the, the students in the class, students would gladly point out to you your flaws <laughs> man branch you be tripping brand branch you be doing too much man branch you why are you always on my back man all the things they would say and sometimes it's because that's the best way i knew how to teach but and sometimes it was because i was trying to just get through the day operating sometimes like a robot and it wasn't until the ever forward club started and so i began to do some of my own work and realizing oh yeah there's more to me too there's more to me too, and there's more to you too. And I hope that you know that there's more to you than people can see by looking at you. And so in this conversation with Shims, we talk about our masks. We get a chance to share more than we shared even at that weekend where we were together for three or four days. Because sometimes it takes a moment of just slowing down enough to look each other in the eye, virtually of course, and just connect. And so if you have not yet made a mask, I invite you to do that at 100kmasks.com. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. You know, Shims does a lot of work with relationships, um, with people and couples. Um, and you have all of his information in the show notes. But I want you to just listen to this conversation with the idea that what if I could feel two times more alive? What if I could feel 10% more alive today than I did yesterday? What if I could just continue taking an inch towards feeling more aware, more connected, more alive? I think that would be amazing. And I wish that for you. If you like what you hear today, please share it with someone. Please like, subscribe, and tell someone about this podcast. And we look forward uh, to you being a part of this movement of helping people all over the world realize that they're not alone. Thank you so much. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Taking Out the Mask podcast. My name is Ashanti Branch, and I'm really glad you've joined us. Today's guest, I am so excited to introduce you to Shims Hartwell. Um, Shims and I had the opportunity to meet at the Convergence 6 on the coast, where the forest meets the ocean um, with Taker Sons. And so, Shims, it is a pleasure to have you on the show. Welcome to Taking Out the Mask. Thank you, Ashanti. Great to be with you again, my friend. I so appreciate to meet you out there where the ocean meets the sea and that within that rich diversity of brothers all coming together, which was quite incredible. 
Oh, man. Well, listen, can you introduce yourself? I mean, I, I want folks to hear from you. Mm. And um, and then we're going to jump in. You know, I'm really glad that we've, we've already had some really powerful connection. And uh, this is an opportunity for others to learn more about you and learn about me, but also how does how these connections of men can happen if we just mm. make time for them. So will you tell folks about yourself? Will do. You know, I feel like I've lived a few lifetimes in this lifetime, but on the real short stories, I grew up in the Bay Area, not far from you, to high school in San Mateo. Um, my first profession um, after, you know, school and all that stuff was I got into Chinese medicine and naturopathic medicine and healing. And a lot of that was to heal my own self. And that led me to getting into relational work and men's work and my own facing of shadows and men and, and growing up. I know you know this, growing up in the city in some ways and, and in the diversity, but also in the way that men are with each other. I had a lot of wounds coming into my, my manhood and, and a lot of ways I didn't trust men. And so I did a lot of men's work for my own experience, whether that's going up to Canada, Mankind Project, Boys to Men, all kinds of things. And, and little by little, I grew into doing therapy and couples work and, and then eventually holding space for men. And so what I do now mostly is I work with this with couples around the world. And I think of it as that I'm looking to upgrade our operating system relationally. Like my passion, whether that's men's work, whether that's couples work, whether that's even group work, it's for us all to come online that we're operating in a way that we're relating well, we're deeply listening, we're connecting from our gut and our heart and our head. We're breaking through some of the first layers of defensiveness, shutting down, protecting, blaming, and learning more of a healthy way of showing up for ourselves and each other. And so that's my big passion. That's like my mission. And I do that with men in lots of different ways. I do that with couples. I do that through retreats. I do that through sharing talks and connecting. And I feel really blessed and fortunate that I get to walk this walk I have in life right now. Mm. Wow. Thank you, brother. And you, and you, and, and I think that what I've learned from you and not only this check-in all as well is <clears throat> I think when you're in the work, like serving the men, like, you know, your, a lot of your personal story doesn't come out in, in big chunks, you know? And, and so I, I had the desire to kind of connect with you deeper. And I was like, well, he got so many other people he's kind of responsible for. So I said, I'll take a step back. And um so glad that we get to now have this chat to, mm. to go a little deeper, you know? And I think, in this work and you know i everything you named i mean mankind projects i've been there boys to men i've been there and i think that the learning i mean i, I didn't know that i would be doing this when i did my first sterling men's weekend in 2010 right i just like what the heck did i sign up for <laughs> what's going on here right and then i was like oh, okay i i see how this 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 piece this is just a piece. This is not the story. This is a piece of a story. And I need to begin taking the pieces that I need from different things to create the mosaic of my own life, you know? Mm. And I think as I've been trying to get more young people in our that who are now alumni of our work, who are now in their 30s, is like, it's time for you to do some, you know, it's been time. But even more so right now is time, you know? So thank you. And, um, you know, this conversation is really going to be smooth because we just you and I will just share our mask. You've already made a mask. I have a mask here. Mm. And um, wherever the conversation goes, it's kind of where it meant to go. And it, and when it's time to stop, it's going to stop because it's it's a it's an experience, you know, and uh, mm -hmm. and there's no written questions. There's no mm. the only thing we do is figure out how we're going to and what we're willing to share with each other. And in this, you know, in this platform, you know, knowing that 
men are going to be able to hear and learn about this and be able to hopefully find other men in their life that they can take off their mask with, you know? Mm. Yes. You know, one thing that's really present for me is, you know, I got to be in circle with you for those three or four days and I didn't get to know anything about you either, you know, and, and I, and yet I got to sense who you are and your presence by how fully there you were and how much you showed up. And so it's, it's such a treat to get to know each other in a way where we don't know each other as far as history and background, but we know each other as like who you're showing up now, that tapestry of collection of all you've been through and all that we've, you know, learned along our journey and then to meet in that moment. And it's so sweet when we recognize each other, yeah. you know, and I'm, and I'm grateful to go a little deeper with you here now too and get to hear a little more about this amazing man you are. Oh man. Well, thank you, brother. I'm looking forward to it. Um, and I was saying thank you for showing sharing your man cave with us. I, mean, I was like telling you, I was like, oh man, I gotta, I I need to upgrade my my cave. I need to... <laughs> but so beautiful, it's so beautiful. To take it in and thank you for sharing it with us. So we decided that the guest decides who goes first. So either you go first or I go first in sharing the mask. And we go front, and then you know we'll share the front, and then the back we'll share the back. We'll go from mm -hmm. there. Great, great. So why don't I, I guess I haven't done this before, but why don't I bring it in? So the front would be like the first side of my mask here of just what yeah. I drew. You know, I first drew this because I feel sometimes I'm like speaking to the world and I'm, I'm stepping out and I'm, I'm expressing. And it's one of the ways I'm most seen, at least one of the masks I wear, because I'm, fair, I'm doing a fair amount of talks like this. I'm, I'm out in the world a bit. I'm out in the public eye a bit. And then as I shared these, these pieces here for me of like how I see myself or how people have seen me, um, bright, intelligent, kind and that lose you for a moment we good no, yeah my my, cool. my yeah i'm back yeah so i put bright intelligent kind which is common things that like i present to the world in that mask and as I, after i put this down i put another mask like just this this face and this presence of me with the eyes and the face and the layers and you know in my experience i feel like i wear lots of masks you know that's one thing i realize is that I, and i've worn many through my life and some of them i've learned to take off and not wear it all anymore and that was really present for me as i was doing this and i was looking at like what are what are things there it's like wow, some of those masks have healed a little bit and I don't have to present them like I did. And so then I then I shift on over to the other side no, 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 here. No, don't show the back yet. Don't show the back yet. Okay, we'll, no we'll back yet. Oh, but, but if you want, actually, you know, take the back. The guest decides. You you can you, you can do both together. Hey, I mean, we let the guest decide. If it feels good to do the back right now, go do I'm it. Flowing, well, I'm flowing to it, you know, and Let's I'm good with that. And then – you know what, what the ones that stay out to me really strong of things that are in undercurrents in my being a lot of times that people don't see right away or I don't share right away is that I, I have a lot of fear about the world. I've got a lot of fear about what's going down amongst countries all over the world and, and the inequality and the environmental issues and the social issues and the lack of people getting along and the, the, the scariness of people who are also so unhealthy in their mind and their heart and they don't have support that they're doing crazy shit like shooting people. And that, they're, that they're, there's so much volatility in humanity. And I'm scared of that. Like that, that, that touched me. And I'm scared sometimes that I can't make a difference also to, to maybe touch that or even have some impact around that. You know, I can, give, I can give some food to someone on the streets. I can show up and give a smile. And yet I don't know how to penetrate and, and, and make an impact that feels at times like really meaningful, like I see yourself doing right now too, just in mm. sharing this and working with the kids the way you do. So that's one. The next one is I'm pretty sensitive. Like mm. I... When, when I am on the streets and I, and I bump into somebody and I get a certain look or an energy or I get, if I'm putting something out on social media and I get a negative feedback about the work I do or something, like it gets in me. I don't have armor. Like I get, it touches my heart. It, it has impact on my being and I'm, and I'm sensitive. As much as I'm strong, I'm sensitive and I'm vulnerable. 
and and things stay with me and I got to digest them. I got to move through them. I, I can't watch very many movies because the scenes stay in my head and I can't sleep at night. So I'm, mm. I'm, I'm having to be discernful. Next one is I'm pretty judgmental. I got a lot of judgment of our leaders. I've got a lot of judgment of certain people who run corporations and companies and where they choose to put their money and how they choose to take care of their employees. And and um, it's not that I'm judgmental of every single person in front of me, but sometimes I've got judgments out on the world uh, and, and I'm wanting people to show up and do their work more. I'm wanting people to, to face their shadows. And obviously I'm judgmental of myself too. I'm judgmental, judgmental of where I fall short, where, where, um, where, I, where I don't come up as strong, where I don't maybe meet the moment as fully as I could, where I don't give as much as I can give, where I can be selfish. So to me, that judgment goes internal, but it also goes out external of the world. And not everyone sees that because I don't have it on my sleeve. I don't have it on my face, but it's there often. So that's, yeah. that's what came for me in, in my initial feeling of this. Ooh-wee. Thank you, brother. Thank you. All right. Well, I, I was, um, thank you. First of all, thank you. Thank you. I, I resonate with so much of it and I'm, I'm already feeling it. I'm already feeling it. And it's not funny that I'm, I think sometimes I give myself a break in between the front and back so I can, but I, I, I appreciate you taking the flow and, and we're mm-hmm. going to take, we're going to take this in. Um, so I just drew an image. This is wrestler who I always think about who has this interesting mask. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's, you know, pretty stoic, you know, somewhat of a little smile, maybe not. Am I smiling? Am I not sure? But, um, serious, hardworking, and funny are the ones that I um, that I wrote. And like I'm, like I think um, we had a all hands meeting last week with my team, and and I, you know, I was like, don't do a speech, Sean. Don't speeches, no speeches, right? No speeches. <laughs> <laughs> but I have these things that we've been talking about behind the scenes, and I've been like, ah, oh, no speech, no, 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 no big speeches, and I and I realized I've. I, like, I take this thing so serious, right? I mean, I started this nonprofit, you know, 17, 18 years ago now, right? And I'm like, and it's been sweat and tears and blood and emotions and worry and stress and all the, the wide range of emotions that exist. And I think I was sitting there like, is that really like me? Is it, it Would it be me to, like, not have something to say that is about the passion I have for this work? And I think that sometimes I'm like, because I'm, because I'm like so serious and hardworking all the time, that funny, even though I, I love to laugh, I love to have, I love humor and I love jokes and I love to, I, I think laughing helps me navigate the seriousness that I always put on so many things. Mm. And so sometimes when I'm like really serious about something, it's hard to see that I'm really caring and that I'm, that I'm, that I'm funny, right? That I like to, and I think. I have to like balance it because because I have so many goals and dreams and things I want to do and where I feel like I'm so far behind, oftentimes feeling like I do a lot of comparing to what other people have done and been able to do and where they are. And I think I've learned, I know comparison is a thief of all happiness. Not that I just think so. I know it is. And I still find myself getting sucked in to the comparison wheel. And I, and I know that because I know my own story that I don't know what they, I don't know what, uh, what seeds they planted in their other part of their life. Right. All I see was what shows up in the, in the, in the stratosphere of the world and social media or whatever, and in media, whatever. And I think sometimes I'm like, I'm working so hard. Why am, why am I not achieving at the levels that I really want to achieve? And I think deep down 
it, it comes to some things that are which are on the back, which I'm going to go into next. So I'm going to go to the back. Um, uh, fear, some childhood wounds, and and I, I put our cry. I know I, this is my first time ever writing cry on there. Mm. I mean, he's human and humans cry, but I think I wrote it because I, I think a lot of the videos that I make, I've made a lot of, you know, selfie videos and then I just don't post them, right? Because some I'm like, I'll get emotional or I may cry. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not putting that one out there. And then I, I don't have enough skills to like upload it, cut the cry part out, and then re restitch it, and then post it. So I was just like, ah, I'm just not gonna post it, right? So I have like all these videos where I'm like talking about some real stuff, like real feelings, and and I'm like, yeah, no, and I overthink it. And I think the fear, some of my fear, has gotten in my way of possibly some of the success I say I want. Mm -hmm. It's me being so afraid of judgment, right? Being afraid of what people are going to say, mm -hmm. being afraid of being misunderstood, being afraid, like all, all the layers. And it's not just fear of one thing. It's fear of many yeah. things, you know? And I think that when I, when I began to acknowledge the, the childhood wounds and sometimes I'm like, man, maybe you're talking about this stuff too much. Like mm -hmm. I've only maybe told, I mean, a handful of people, right? But I feel like, or maybe I'm talking about it too much. Maybe I don't have the the right to take up space. I think that's what I talked about in our space, our circle together. It's like, how do I give myself more permission that says, I'm not here to take away from anybody. I'm just here to hold my own in this moment, right? Like mm -hmm. all I got is the the time and the number of breaths I'm going to have on this earth. And and, I, and and old to be at the point of death. I think I heard a, a speaker the other day say, the worst is to be at your on your deathbed and then wish that you would have, could have, should have to to wish that what you could have accomplished if you weren't just afraid of, of, of you were afraid of words or you're afraid of people's thoughts that you like you control those anyway. And I think that this is what I've been really starting to like push myself to. And I think, you know, I've been doing I've been doing more than I have before mm. and still not as much as I really want to be doing. And it's like. What, I don't know what it's going to take. I don't know what that magic moment is. I mean, I could definitely say I'm better today at November of 2021 than I was November 2020. But still, I sit there and hold. I sit there with the with the, with the post written, and I'm like, mm. no, yes, no, yes, mm. no. I'll save it to drafts, and then it, then it just never gave a sense, right? I I I got all excited and I was like, I would do it, <laughs> and the fear. And so I think that those are the things that I'm working through mm -hmm. and I'm still working through, but I feel like I'm more along the path than I have been before um, with the willingness to say, why not you? Yeah. <laughs> why, why not you? And why not now? Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, I, tomorrow's not promised, you know, and um, I, this weekend I was feeling some, some stomach pains. Right. And I, not like I was not sick, not, you know, just, but some, something internal, like a, more like if you would describe, is it? I was thinking like I have to call the doctor. What are they going to say? Well, where do you feel it? I'm like in my stomach, and I'm like, what kind of feeling? What kind of pain is it? And I was thinking like it's like organ. It's like it's not a, a nauseous pain. It's like a or it's like something else. And that makes me nervous. It makes me nervous to get ill and to be like, mm -hmm. not have the energy to to put it in the world. What I think I've I was put put here to put out in the world, and and some of it is fear. It's fear of like the the bad stories and the and the you know there's a good the bad and the ugly right there's not all they're not all pretty stories and, and some of them like just i don't i don't you know so i i i, 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 I battle with that yeah. so that's the that's the mask for mine 
Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. And it has me um, come out my challenger a little bit as like, man, I would, I would love the more real you go as far as feeling and emotion or sadness, the, the more impact you'll have with the share. And like for you to play with that exploration, I've done that a few times in myself, like, like a post that feels like it's too edgy that folks might misinterpret it or might have stories about it or whatever the share is like, all right, you know what? I'm committed to the more real I am, the more mm. I know I'm going to touch a few hearts with that mm. share. And I sent hearing you and feeling you and feeling the genuineness of you. That to me feels like a really cool practice for you to play with, yeah. you know, a good challenge. Cause I have that with songs. I have like dozens of songs I haven't finished because they just wouldn't line up. And then the ones I do finish end up coming to life so beautifully. Mm-hmm. The more real I can be them. You know, I, um, at the, at the event, you know, I just had a video that I've actually, that I was thinking about posting. Right. And I've been like holding back, um, because it was tough. I went through the little, I don't know what they call that little ceremony, but it was like a, it was like an experiment. The way the experience works is that there's a, a mirror. You have to climb up this path and you have to climb under this little, this little log. Now for me, I'm a big dude. So I got to really climb. Like I got to like wedge myself under this log to get up to this, this seat where I look in a mirror and the goal is to begin letting go of the stuff things you get let go of. You, you're looking at yourself in the mirror and you're like, what do I got to let go of? What do I need to put it into? And I think that as I sat in that mirror and as I sat just looking at myself, like um, it just brought up so many times where I didn't want to see myself in the mirror. Mm-hmm. Like when, like that, like that feeling came up and I'm like, I don't want to be talking about this. I want to make a video where I was going to be positive and it's going to inspire people. And it's going to like, I was like, what are you doing? Like this is, and I had to like, I cut one video and I did another one and it went just as left, right? And it was like, well, cause what you're trying to, what you need to let go of is not, it's not fun and joy, it's pain. It's like, if you want to let go of pain, you you gotta take the pain and let it go. You You can't just ignore it and think that it's gonna just disappear. And I think that's where I've been on the journey. And I think that's where the biggest part of me has been like, okay, Ashanti, this is, and I think that when I sat there in that mirror and I just, I just like talked to myself, like of what it was like to be a middle school kid and not wanting to look in the mirror, not liking what I saw. So when kids talk to me, when I do this work with young people and I'm, we're making these masks and they talk about self-doubt and self-judgment, I get it. Like I, mm-hmm. I don't just get it philosophically, I don't just get it from some literature in a book. I get it. Yeah. I appreciate that. That touches you too, as you say it, you know, right there, huh? Yeah. I'm with you too. You know, I have tons of memories of that time in middle school, like so much non-accepting this body, this look, this feeling, this um, tall, skinny boy that felt so vulnerable in some ways. And, and I really appreciate you naming that. How do I show that to a younger boy and know that and help him know that, that that's a part of this journey, right? Yeah. And that, that there's another side to it that I meet you at now through that journey. Not that it hasn't touched you and not that it won't keep impacting you, but here we are looking at it and I have the same thing. Yeah. I know that feeling, right? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. It's wild. Cause it never got tell, it never got dealt with, right? It yeah. never got. It was just a daily reminder of like, 
but you know, you know, I'm having conversations with myself. I'm just like, I remember, I better remember it. And I think when I, every time, when I think about some of those key moments of those things that I was avoiding, right? And I think we see, I, I see that with young men that we work with as well, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe as as I as I like realize, oh, here's what I'm avoiding. Here's the conversation I'm avoiding. Here's the topic I'm avoiding. Here's all the pieces of the puzzle. Oh, something's missing in this puzzle. What was missing? Well, I want to talk about that part. That that we, we're gonna leave that part missing, right? That part is just gonna stay. It's gonna be like a, a thousand puzzle pieces, and you have that one missing, and you're like, you can ignore a whole all the thousand. You're like all the nine hundred ninety nine. You're like, what happened to that one piece right there? You're like, uh, yeah, but it, but it, but it's almost somewhat incomplete, you know? Yeah, brother. I feel like this is the golden thread is that, you know, whatever we haven't been willing to feel and we've learned to compartmentalize or, or numb in some way or, or, you know, shelf inside of our system, you know, those deep feelings, the traumas, the family experiences, the social experiences that were hard for our system that many people spend a lifetime numbing out and avoiding, whether that's using drugs and alcohol or movies or partnership. Mm -hmm. And at some point, Mm -hmm. we've got to start to feel it and be with it. And that's where I think the magic is. And I think you and I have had enough experience to realize that that stuff starts moving pretty quickly, though, when we're willing to feel, when we're willing to be with, when we're willing to let it move through our system. In my experience, those things clear quickly. We just haven't yet had a lot of environments where there's enough consciousness and presence and guidance to create a catalytic environment to really make it safe to feel that all the way through, which I think is what your and I's work ultimately is at this point, right? Whether that's for boys, for men, or for other people in the world. And my hope is that we're, we're making that process more safe, more trusting, more powerful and, and more like effective in a way that we can start to shed some of the old skin, some of the old layers, some of the pain we've held in our bodies, in our nervous systems and our endocrine systems and the, everywhere that we can start to shift it because I believe we're kind of carrying our ancestral trauma too, not even our own, you know, not even our own life. We're carrying what our ancestors Mm. didn't have the capacity to be with. And this is the exciting time is that you and I, and many of the brothers who are listening to this or sisters or anyone, we're all on the front line together now because we've got the ability to start to feel and heal and transform these, these things. Yeah. And I wonder that part, like the, the, when you talk about that, I've heard you use that word, the, the ancestral trauma, right? Like the, what I feel when I, what 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 I, what I what I had internalized by looking at myself, right? What I had internalized was that this is not what beauty looks like, right? I, I internalized a message that I don't remember too many people directly telling me that, but I had internalized a message or just a general message. And the even thinking about now in our world, like all the things that we have to internalize and realize what's happening in our world, right? Like, like we're just on the cusp of a of a big decision of of, of the courts to say mm-hmm. that that this really tragic thing that happened. I I don't do so much politic talking on this podcast, but I think it's hard to not as a man to be like I don't notice that as a real yeah. thing, you know. Right. And so I think for me, what no matter what I in my mind expected, I thought that it was going to happen just by processes and pieces of the puzzle that were going together. But also to know just how much, how many men who are not talking about what they feel about that, not just anger that this was allowed to happen and said that this was no problem. There was not anything wrong with it. But how many other people who look different mm-hmm. would have would not be 
given such the gratitude of that you're afraid for your life, right? That you that you were in self-defense protecting yourself. How 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 that how that that there's only room for certain people to feel like they are threatened in their life, right? Like and so I think that those are things that I wonder how many people who navigate those feelings in silence, mm -hmm. how that silence comes out so loud in so many other ways in self-harm and harm against their loved ones, harm against community, harm against others. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I like to think of all of these experiences, whether that was what our parents went through ancestry-wise or these moments of places where we feel powerless to create change, like potentially when a court rules something like here, when it's blatantly obvious that if there's a different person in that seat, it would have been a different outcome, right? Especially if they were a person of color or if they were coming from a place where they didn't fit the, the mold of our society's blindness, right? On some yeah. level. And yeah. the amount of charge that most of us feel and, and many people more than others, to me, it turns into energy that has to be moved and, and, and assessed. And, and if we don't have conscious ways to move it, like healthy anger, expression, righteous feeling of anger, righteous standing for it. What happens is it gets turned in other ways where it leaks out as reaction, you know, to complaints to our friends or like breaking down with our family, getting overly upset with our kids because we just got charged energy. Yeah. And so all of us carry a certain amount of that. And I think once we start doing our work, which means like feeling, being with, moving energy, we start to kind of lessen the amount of charge that's in the bucket in us. In my experience, like we're all carrying a certain amount of charges. Some of us have a lot of surface charge just from what's happening right now. And a lot of us have a lot of deeper layers. I could look at deeper layers of strata of all the things our ancestry couldn't digest yeah. from things that happened to us, like whether that's loss, whether that's slavery, whether that's, you know, like, you know, controlling and, and, and government systems taking from people, all the layers yeah. that happen. And at some point that energy needs a movement through us. And my hope is that we're all starting to see it that way that we may not be able to make everything right, but we do need to face and feel and transmute and have spaces to clear the charge in our system so we can meet reality now yeah. whole, fully here. And that's yeah. how I see it. And a lot of the kids carry that like it, it comes out as erratic behavior in them because they have no comprehension of understanding of where that emotional charge comes from. They literally absorb it from their family and from their environments and so they need really good expressive environments to just have a place to discharge that energy. Mm. And then if they don't, then it just starts coming into their relationships, starts coming into mm. life, it starts coming into work. And just, I, I see it building up in people until they either have big breaks of huge upsets and reactions mm. and blowups, or yeah. they just have low grade ways that they just completely have to check out and numb out to handle that much energy. Yeah. And I wonder, like, you know, one of our, our previous guests, um, when we had the first show, we had the a podcast, things were going pretty smooth, right? In life, like things were going pretty smooth, like had a plan of making some goals and putting some things into action. And then an injury came mm. that shut all those plans down. And I think that like those type of things, when you see men navigate a, 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 moment, a challenging moment and then it hits you. And if you've never had another challenging moment before to compare it to, it could feel like the thing that is going to take you out, right? And I think, how do we give more people, people in general, but definitely when we're talking about the men, how do we give them a space to like, just breathe, mm -hmm. 
just take a breath. Like, let's take a breath together. Let's just take a breath. Let's take a moment and just catch our breaths and figure out where we are right now. Where are we? Where Where is your mind running to? How many places are you right now? You're, you're standing here in front of me, but where are you at right now? Mm-hmm. And I think that when you think about, when you talk about the charges that, 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 that may come to us, and imagine, you know, I didn't have a father growing up, so my father died before I was born. So mm. what I what I earned from him, what I as I as I describe it, um, I um, I was swimming in sadness. Mm-hmm. Like the, in the womb, I was bathing in months, three months of sadness and grief and worry and stress. Now that my mom was gonna have to do it by herself, like so. What I earned when I showed up here on the planet is a boy without a father, but who's super emotional. Mm. Of, of, of a loss, of a loss that I never personally experienced, but I fully experienced it as well, right? And who knows what those genes, those hormones did. And I had to, in a community where crying is weak and soft and it get you mm-hmm. beat up and get you get you in lots of problems. So you shut it down. Mm-hmm. You shut it down. Now as an adult, the reason I wrote, I think one of the reasons I, I felt even weird about writing I Cry is because there, there was a part of my life where cry, talking about, I don't cry. And I remember oh, how many years that I just shut that, part of myself off mm. no matter what kind of tragedy i would hear about see whatever movie i would watch nothing no mm-hmm. until i began to realize oh wait i have permission to do that i can i can do that and then man i think i'm sure in the last 10 years since i did my my men's weekend my first one i'm sure i've cried more in the last 10 years and in <laughs> all the years of my life but but definitely the fact of being able to say all oh, right it's a human feeling and then when they let it out, man, then I get to keep moving, right? Wow. I get to like be like, oh, this is this is what I'm feeling about that. This is what's coming up for me. Sometimes I'm not sure yet, but but the journey of like of letting myself feel mm. and be more whole because I get to be like, yeah, I can feel funny, joy, happy, and I can feel worry and sadness and and, and empathy for for what's happening to people around me. Yeah, thank you for sharing that, Ashanti. I hear you and I feel you just hearing you, you know, share that journey. And I imagine the way the boy had to grow up a little fast too, coming into the world that way in a certain sense, you know, not having a father and having to relate with the world and, not, and having to not feel that sadness, even though it was so significant in the cells of your being, like you said, swimming in it, marinating in it in a certain realm, yeah. with everything yeah. your mom felt and anyone else around you, around your dad, and then going through life. And, and basically that's what happens for a lot of us is that we grow up a little fast because... We don't have that safe space to really feel and have healthy elders or mentors or, you know, resources of, of people around us to encourage us to, to let that energy move through us so we can be in the full, like you said, happy, joy, glad, you know, all of the waves of it. And it sounds like you've reclaimed that because you've been touching it and moving it. And now you have, I think of it as simply more spectrum of aliveness. As any, you know, anybody listen to this in some ways, what happens is if our spectrum of aliveness is narrow because we're not feeling much, we feel numb, we don't have sexual energy on tap, we don't feel joy, it's usually because there's some stuff that's bottled up in us that's taking up bandwidth or real estate in our system. Mm. And that when we start to uncork that or move that through us in a healthy way, it doesn't even mean you have to cry. It just means moving energy and meeting it and meeting your body and letting that stuff move through us. What happens is we get more of our spectrum back. Yeah. You know, we get more of our awe back. We get more of our wonder. We get more of our curiosity. We get more of our joy. And we get more of our creativity, most importantly, you know? That's right. That's right. Oh, man. Like, where, where did, where did, like, did you, were you allowed to feel growing up? Like, was that, was that something that was, was operating for you that you had permission to feel? 
You know, a little bit and not so much. My mom ended up leaving in the night when I was six because my father was so aggressive and angry and he was actually abusive to my mom. And and she left with my brother and I, but I ended up living with my father in Pleasanton, not far from you, you know, and um, I had a lot of feelings and, and, and my dad was holding so much fear that there was a place in me that actually felt sorry for my dad, which is one of the reasons I actually li- stayed, chose to live with him, is that some place in me already started taking care of him as a young one. So not only did I have my feelings, I actually felt like I was feeling a lot of my dad's feelings, you know, in my system. And I didn't have consciousness of that then, though, so much that I do now. But like if I was upset or having feelings, yeah, it wasn't okay. But then my dad would have these huge outbursts, you know, of like, can't find a parking spot in San Francisco, slamming the steering wheel, screaming violently. And my whole system's just in freeze and petrified fear, you know. And so like I had places where like I certainly didn't want to do what my dad was doing. So I would like hold that back, but then I'd be on the tennis court breaking my tennis racket or throwing my skateboard across because I was so angry and so much of my anger wasn't mine. So much of it was the anger my dad was like fuming out and then I was absorbing by being around him. And then I'd go see my mother and my grandmother who lived an hour away, um, you know, in San Mateo area. And like they would, they would trust my feelings. I'd just go there and I'd start crying. And I would like eat the sugar, so much sugar in my mom and dad, in my mom's room that I would start throwing up and get sick because my father was diabetic and I couldn't have sugar around him. But I'd go there and I'd binge. And the binging was I was so emotionally hungry, you know, for love, for care, for acceptance that I would eat myself sick. And then I'd have, I'd have, I'd have a mixture of like anger from my mom for me doing something so stupid. But then I'd have mm-hmm. compassion from my mom and grandma at the same time too because they could tell I was hurting and suffering, yeah. right? So I kind of had a mix of of all of it in some ways, but certainly in school and on the schoolyard and where I'd be like scared of other guys or watching bullying happening, I certainly didn't feel. And the times I did like cry or feel sad, I was certainly made wrong for it. Right. So I had ways I learned to, to shut that down, you know? And I remember having teachers that would, you know, see me in the corner, like just kind of numb and shut down scared. And they'd come up to me and be loving and I'd start crying. Right. Mm-hmm. And then the kids would make fun of me, but the teacher would be like, it's okay. And I'd get some love and some solace from them. So I've got lots of memories of a mixed bag of experiences, which probably many of you can relate with. Right. Man. And I think that not only do I relate with it, we definitely we talked about the going to the thing, like the sugar. And unfortunately, I wear the sugar. Like it, it's not like it, I can't hide. Like it, it wears me. It wears, mm-hmm. and, and I, and I, and I, that's where I went. When I had those childhood wounds, like I couldn't talk about them. So I went to this food and it was like, well, I have, I, I can just eat and it makes me feel good. Mm. And so therefore all this stuff that wasn't feeling good before, I can just pretend that it does because I can just take something, just take a little bar of this, a little sliver of this, a little you know, Kit Kat of that, like whatever it was, a thing. And I didn't, I didn't, it wasn't a lot of candy, but candy was easier to get than pastries, right? And I, I'm, I'm a, right now it's like sweet, sweets. Like I don't even like candy and I can do it out bread, but anything that mixes the two, <laughs> it's my, I mean, man. And like a couple of weeks ago, after the week, after the weekend, I was like, because I have, I was emotionally not dealing with some of those things. I just began to like, try and satiate that appetite and it was it's insatiable it is it is like i remember going to this little uh, place in chinatown there's a little bakery i go to amazing stuff amazing and i was just going to town and i'm like this is not going away 
Like, I really, like, at one point, just, like, took another, I taking another bite of another one while the other one's not finished yet and realizing, what are you doing? What, what 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 emotion are you not trying to deal with right now? What are you what feeling are you not trying to talk about right now? What are you trying to what are you what are you trying to what are you trying to soothe? Because you're trying to soothe something, yeah. and to realize it's so much easier to soothe it than to write about it. You know, I'm just trying to write this book, hit these hard parts. I mean, I, I'm not doing a good job writing the book. I can probably talk the book out more than I can write it, but. <laughs> <laughs> It's that it's that thing, right? Like I'll go, and I realized I was I was in a bad place, like emotion. And here's the thing: I'm not hurting nobody. I'm not I'm not stealing from nobody. I'm not breaking nobody's house to take it to go buy. It. Like I'm not I'm not doing anything dangerous to anybody else. But I'm I'm sabotaging in, internally, right? And yeah. how quickly is how quickly does that turn into where it then becomes out turn external, right? Where it means that the dream that I have no longer can happen because I'm no longer healthy enough to be in the mm. place to be able to do it. And I think all the ways that it shows up out externally in other ways, right? It may not show up um, like as harm against anyone else, but it, it, it definitely is a, a less effective dream. Your dream can only go so as far as your energy can carry it, you know? Yeah. I really yeah. appreciate your, your authenticity and realness and shining a light on that because I think this one's a huge one for a lot of people around the world. You know, is There's so much collective permission to numb yourself through food and to use food as kind of the first agent of distraction or way of checking out rather than checking in. And it's very effective and we need to eat. And like you said, it doesn't have negative impact on anybody else. It mostly sabotages you. So there's a lot of allowance of it, you know, and then, you know, it can keep, if it doesn't food, then it could be alcohol, it could be pot, it could be porn, it could be all these things. And one of the ways that, you know, we start to get real with ourselves, we start looking at like, where are the ways I check out rather than check in? And we know what checking in is. It's like taking some breaths, it's feeling your belly, it's breathing in, it's, it's, it's meeting yourself authentically and lovingly with acceptance and care and willingness to feel. And anything other than that is checking out in some way, whether it's watching a movie. And it's not like it's bad or wrong, but you and I know it, it starts to stop the positive current or momentum we can get in that allows us to make choices that serve us. And if we, if we cross a certain threshold of a certain amount of checking out, we start to turn off, we start to go numb, we start to lose a little bit of our faculties, but we also mostly start to feel disconnected, right? From, yeah. from our own self and from spirit and from like, you know, the force of life that's trying to live through us and help us be who we are here to be. And, and I, I so appreciate how you're so real about it, my friend, and so authentic because I got all these ways I was checking out with food too and all kinds of ways. And, and once we start doing our work, we, we notice it quicker. Like you just said, like I'm, I'm eating my, I'm stuffing my face a little bit, but I'm catching it. And wait a minute, it's not working anymore, right? It's powerful when all of a sudden the thing I've done to check out, whether that's alcohol or pot or anything, when it stops working, it's like, okay, Spirit's coming in strong. I'm actually having to, I'm not able to numb myself or avoid this or check out. And I see that as one of the gifts of life. It starts giving us a powerful gift when, when the pain is big enough that we can't numb it, that we've got to face it. We're on the right track. Yeah. Yeah. And what I see with a lot of young people and, 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 and interesting, like, I mean, interesting that that kind of context on context is because what I see a lot of young people do when they're, if they're smoking, a lot of young people in the area where I live in Oakland, they do a lot of smoking. When the when that substance also doesn't work, then they sometimes what I experience and often a lot of times they will try and find something stronger. Yeah. And and I think that 
the question is if you can get conscious enough in the moment when you're like knowing that it's not working anymore to say it's not working and it's nothing stronger. Like if I had went that night when I was eating that and realized this is not working in my mind, first thought was like, what would I have to buy right now to like make it go away? Hmm. Like what pie, what cake, what thing, what, 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 what pastry do I need to have right now that would make this feeling go away? And, and I couldn't think of one. And because I've been doing enough work on myself, I was like, oh, you're out of control right now. <laughs> you are out of control. Like you're looking for something more and it's not working. And so I think how often do, how do we help our young people come to a consciousness when they're in that place of like, oh, it's not working and it's not going to work. So I need to get clear and get present. And and that's what our work is. And I, and, and I think this is the work that so I'm so thankful for you and the work that you do with men. And I'm, I'm excited to keep continue learning more because I think if we can find ways of helping them find, find the voice in that moment where you can like get present, like, Oh wait, uh Oh, like not go deeper into it, mm-hmm. but I need to come back out of it and find myself. Right. Find yeah. that, find what I'm avoiding, find what I'm disconnecting from. Right. You said, what, what, why am I checking out right now? Why am I trying to check out? What am I? What am I afraid about checking in about? You know, I think, yeah, that gave me a lot to think about for this for this today. I'm so yeah. appreciating you. Yeah, brother, I I feel like one of the things I like to share with the with the younger crew is crew. You know, is that every time we're checking out, there's this doorway to get to know ourselves more. And so I think of it as it like, hey, what's this trying to show me right now? When when something mm. in me wants to keep eating, when something in me wants a stronger drug, when something in me like. Am I willing to meet myself and meet this? And yeah. and there's you know there's that just that catching of ourselves is already a shift move. But then, can I, am I willing to feel? Am I willing to feel right now? Yeah. And secondly, am I willing to contact somebody else? Like, do I have a friend? Do I have a bro? Do I got someone? Can I get real with this? Can I get this with my mom? Can I share it with my dad? Can I share it with my brother? Share it with my sister? Can I include someone in this so that I'm putting the light on it with somebody else? Where all of a sudden I'm not alone in facing this demon. Because usually we got some form of internal dragon or demon in us that has us want to self-sabotage that sometimes is bigger than us. And that's why we can't do it alone. And for all the young folks out there, that's why we want community. That's why we need friends. That's why we got circles. That's why we got tribes and groups that we get together with. Because once we've got some folks we can look at this with, we don't feel alone in it. And we have got more power and more energy and more love to meet it. And so anybody out there who feels alone and facing your demon or your shadow or the thing going for you, like... Who can you talk to about with it? Who can you make contact with? Even if it means you're you're having the thoughts of, I don't want to be here anymore, which many people have. Who can you connect with around that? Who can be a, a loving friend? Who can meet you and see you and, and share with you in this place? Because I think that's the healing for brothers, especially men. Can I lean into a bro? Can I lean into a woman? Can I lean into a friend? Can I get real with someone? Instead of holding this in my own little world and trying to wear my mask and pretend I'm okay when really I'm not. Yeah. And I think you and I know this too, Ashanti, is that most people want to help each other. When I get real with someone, people lean in with care. They lean in with love. They lean in with acceptance. You know, and if they're not, it means they're not meeting themselves. Yeah. You know, but the more that we meet ourselves, the more we want to show up for each other. So I just share that as a wave here is I feel like this is part of our work is reminding each other and being these loving allies. But also the last thing is that I think it's all of our responsibility to be reading the people we love in our lives, to be tuning into them, watching them, seeing and asking them, are you going through something rough, man? Is there any way I can show up for you? You don't, you don't have to share with me, but like, I see you. 
That's right. And I see that you might be holding something that you're not sharing. And I love you so much. I want to hear it. And I think that's a powerful move because when we're showing for each other, we often show up for ourselves more too. It goes both ways. And so I really am thankful to circle with you, brother. I feel like I could talk with you for hours more. I'm sorry that we're cut a little short. And I really appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. Why don't you tell folks and folks, thank you. So first of all, thank you for being and making time for this. And um, I tell folks how if they can connect with the work, those who resonated with what you're saying and want to learn more from you, what are the ways that you want them to do that? We'll put all this yeah. in the show notes. I've got online courses that I do and I have groups of men that teach with me. And so we have um, um, navigatorproject.org or shemsheartwell.com. I'll send you links to those. The Navigator is a group of us collectively working together, and we offer a, a 10-week course called The Men's Passage, which is about uh, all the kind of the tools we all need that we didn't inherit as men. And then I often re- retreats, and I work with people one-on-one and as couples all over the world that way. And so if you want to reach out to me, feel free to. I'll follow up with you. I often offer a free drop-in call to meet people if you're feeling like I might be able to be a, a good ally or support for you. So I'll send you those links, Ashanti, and I really appreciate being here with you. Thank you, brother. Thank you for making time. And uh, folks, if you have not yet made your mask, you can do that also at 100kmask.com. Well, thank you for being a part of the Taking Off the Mask podcast. And uh, folks, we'll see you soon. Thank you, Shims. Good to see you, Honored, brother. Thank you so much, Ashanti. Thanks for all the work you're doing, my friend. Thank you. Taking Off The Mask podcast is produced by Ryan Louie. Editing, videography is also by Ryan Louie. Graphics by Kelly Wong. And a special thanks to the team at Ever Forward, Vanessa Cortez and Kevin Romero. And I'd like to thank everyone who's been a part of the creation of this podcast as we hit this one-year anniversary. We hope that everyone who's been a part knows that they're a part of the Taking Off The Mask experience. And we look forward to you being a part of it as well. If you liked what you heard today, please like, subscribe, and share. And we look forward to us continuing to offer conversations that matter. Take care. See you soon.